Welcome to Six Pack. I'm your host, Erin Inselman. This is an uncut show that supports parents in the enjoyment of raising children and having the fire and spirit to do life, with a side of sarcasm and humor, of course. I'm a mom of six, a wife, and a business owner in the health and fitness industry. Each week, myself and other experts will be sharing pointers and stories on parenting, self-growth, health and fitness, and relationships. Join me for this real and raw show dedicated to sharing tips, tribulations, and the triumphs of everyday life. Welcome to the third episode of Six Pack Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. My sister is joining us from the UK, Shelby Harrington is our special guest today. We're going to be talking a little bit about just things that she has been doing in her life, whether it's COVID-19 related or the journey that she has taken from being in a corporate setting to now running her own business and her own coaching results business. So I am super excited and so thrilled that she was willing and able to be our first guest on the Six Pack Podcast. So Shelby, welcome. Thank you very much for that very gracious welcome. And I think that listeners, it will obviously be relatively informal because we're sisters. And so it's kind of strange for it to not be, but I am humbled and feel very grateful and honored to be the guest for my sister who I'm very proud of. So thank thank you. you. So we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it. The first thing, actually, I think that, well, that I want to know and our listeners want to know is how are things in the UK with everything going on with COVID-19? So, I mean, I can't really, I watch from afar how it is to the state, right? In the States, right? So I can't comparatively talk about how it feels. Also, I think you guys are such a bigger country that the experience for the people in New York is very different from the experience for the people from the experience of the people in Omaha, Nebraska, or Cedar Rapids, Iowa, or Houston, Texas, even like everybody's having a different experience. But here, I think because we are such a small country, geographically, such a small country, and so henceforth, we are a lot physically closer together. While the wave has been more intense in London, and we live just outside of London, until recently, I worked in London every day. My husband still well, until we're in lock, since we're in lockdown, worked in London every day. So it's a lot more intense down here per se than it is up north or towards Scotland, right? But I think that we've been in lockdown now. So meaning that you're only to leave the house for medical emergencies, essential goods, and that's not going to the grocery store like every day. You're supposed to minimize those kind of trips. Um, and you're allowed one hour of outdoor exercise a day. And you have to incorporate the walking the dog into that if you have a dog. So we have been in with the kids and I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old. Sorry, I had to think about how old they were. (laughs) (laughs) Happens happens to me all the time. Shit, don't get me started on birthdays. Don't ask me birthdays. Yeah, dude, come on. I've got two. You've got like 26 to remember. One, one or however many, it's all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair, fair play. But yeah, so I think that, you know, and so I've gone from a place where, you know, as Aaron said, I used to work in the corporate world. So I worked full time even from the time when the kids were born, which isn't a huge probably shock for people in the States. But here, a lot of people go down to part-time or will take more time off with their kids if they're you know so lucky to do so. 
but I always worked full time. And so my kids were always kind of in nursery from 7.30 in the morning till six o'clock at night. And I guess I always had had this career and we'll get into the place where, you know, I've made this shift. And a lot of the reasons that were behind that were down to my family and wanting to be you know, live a different kind of life. But I never thought I would be full-time teacher, homeschooler. Like I'm the only person in my family without an education background. And yeah, then the developmentally very different stages, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Because here, so my son is six, but he's in the equivalent of second grade. So you start school the year that you turn five. So you start school when you're four in the kindergarten equivalent. Okay, so, so four years old would be like kindergarten then. There. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It. So he's in second grade and it's still like the same curriculum. They just start him earlier here. That's like the gist of it. And I think you guys might be thinking, oh, that's so young. And it kind of is in some ways, but in other ways, it's an equal playing field because everybody's starting at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make a huge impact in that way. But yeah, so that's been like nuts. I think, thank God, I am a strengths coach and I <laughs> have some of the skill set that I have and some of the tools that I have that I can call on within myself at this time because, you know, and also luckily, I like genuinely like my husband. I mean, I don't just love him, like I like him. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're because we're together and our houses aren't as big as the houses in the States. I mean, we are very blessed and we have a good sized house and a beautiful garden, but not everybody has that here. But we are together all the time, all four of us. And, you know, it's a change and the kids are struggling and we struggle, but I'm very thankful for the tools that I have that I can only use myself, but I can help my husband with. You know, he's had to go into a situation where he is now virtually managing a team of people and they're all experiencing this in different ways. They have their own unique set of lockdown circumstances, which are challenging for them. And he's also trying to help them, you know, still thrive in their work. So I've been able to help him with some of those tools or at least be there to bounce stuff off of. Wow. And, you know, helping to create that work environment for him where he has the space to go do that while World War Three is happening underneath <laughs> his feet downstairs and he can hear it. <laughs> yeah, so it's been nuts. And I mean, I think for all of us, like it's a scary, it's scary times and this yeah. isn't gonna go away anytime soon. And hopefully, you know, it looks like a lot of restrictions are gonna start being lifted, but that's not because this is gone, right? That's because we've got to find a balance between all the stuff that's happening between economy and mental health and physical health and, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's going to be an interesting time for us and for everybody by us, I mean the world. And I think, yeah, in the UK, we being a small country, we're a proud country. There's a lot of, it's not the wear it on your sleeve American patriotism, but there's like this deep rooted sense of, you know, you probably see those signs like be calm and carry on. That's like the epitome of Britishness. And it is that internal, like we got this, we just, we can do this. And like, it's just that it's not more than that, but it's, we have to do it together. Right. Everybody has to follow the rules or the rules don't work. Right. Exactly. So yeah. So sorry. That's all a bit. No, that's but <laughs> no, but that's but, real. Yeah. That's real. And I appreciate you, you know, expressing how it is 
all very similar, no matter what part of the mm. world that you're you're living in. Yeah. And the challenges that we're all facing, even though restrictions are different in different areas, like you said, restrictions are very different, you know, in the UK than where they are in New York and California or here in the Midwest. I mean, we're fortunate totally. to be one of the states where we haven't had complete lockdown and shutdown. And mm. bless you for the fact that Andrew, your husband is a wonderful man. And the fact that you actually like each other um, in addition to loving each <laughs> other. I mean, it's an important differentiation. It is, it really it is, is. extremely, you are, and there, and that is very true because I agree. Oh God, do I love my husband? But there are days where we don't like each other and we work <laughs> together. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally get that. Totally. No, but you had mentioned uh, in talking about, you know, just kind of the fear a little bit. How are the kids with all that? Like, do they realize kind of what's going on? Has there been any anxiety with them? So not anxiety per se. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a coach, but I'm also a child of the same parents as you. Right. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of talking and there's a lot of talking about feelings. And (laughs) I think to their detriment, the British half of them is like, talking about feelings we don't do this it's against every fiber of my being but I think no so when this all first started because the school was sort of prepping them and they were starting hand washing stuff and all of that when school was still in session and so we just opened the dialogue like we kind of talked about there's this virus and you know some people will die from this it's very serious it's very dangerous but mommy and daddy don't want you to be scared and so you need to talk to us if you're feeling scared or you have any questions and you know I think we are honest with them in that way but then we don't watch the press conferences and we Mm -hmm. don't do all that stuff while they're in the room right because it doesn't need to be a constant reminder because the thing that I remind myself every day as they like have their moment of outburst or acting out is that I can rationalize this situation. It's not easy. It's really hard. And I'm a very social person and I have no contact with other people at the moment other than virtually, which thank God we at least have that. Right. But I can rationalize that out in my head and I can... I know about time and I can understand that in a way that children can't. And I can think about this too shall end, this too shall pass. Like, And they can't. They're children. Like they can't, they don't have that capacity. And, but you know what they do have a capacity for, for internalizing fear and anxiety and letting it eat them to their core, right? Because they can't rationalize out of it Mm -hmm. and they can't, they don't understand time and they don't understand things that we as adults understand. So I think, you know, we've kept an open dialogue and we've, we revisit it every once in a while, but generally they're not too worried. They talk about, oh, if the virus wasn't here today on our bike ride, we could have gone to get ice cream, but maybe when the virus goes away and, you know, yeah. stuff like that, which is really good. And we talk about like, well, let's make a list of the things you want to do when, yeah. when the virus does go away. Let's like make a list of all the stuff we want to do and things like that. But mostly what I see is, acting out in behavioral situations, which they don't understand. So it's like an emotional buildup where all of a sudden something that is like the smallest, and I mean, quite literally the smallest thing in the world is like World War Three, And like Cooper, just like last night, you know, we were letting them have a sleepover in Finley's bedroom. Cooper's the littler one. And Andrew was like, okay, it's time. Like talking time is over, time to lay. Oh my God, his heartbreak cry. So not just like that 
acting out cry or the, like that genuine, right. my heart is broken. Right. And he couldn't explain it. And it was something so little. It was just because they had just decided when Andrew wasn't in the room that they were going to spend the last two minutes switching beds and then they were going to go back to the other beds. And that wasn't going to happen now. So it's little things like that. The fuse is shorter. The, right. the ability to cope comes and goes in a different way than it used to. They're fighting more because there's no other children. Um, And, you know, one of my kids is like crazy imaginative and the other one is crazy systematic. (laughs) And so it's also finding that blend and one wants to be the boss all the time, but the other one is actually quite an alpha, like naturally. And Mm -hmm. so it's... That's that's so interesting. Yeah, because two of mine that are very similar to Shelby's two in age. So my daughter, Aiden, is second grade and she's eight and she and Finley are very close. I mean, they're in the same grade when you, Mm. you know, when you think of it. Yeah. And Cooper and Danny are actually share a birthday and were born on the same day. Shelby and I went into labor on the same day. And when you just describe those personalities, Aiden and Finley are so similar like you said, the systematic and mm. Danny and Cooper are very similar. Danny wakes up singing. I mean, there is just a song in that girl's heart where she is just constantly singing all day long. And it's, it's maybe a song that she made up. It's just a song about do it girl. Yeah. Do it girl is right. <laughs> like it's a song about getting celery sticks out of the refrigerator. It's, or it's something that she saw on TV or it's, you know, probably an inappropriate song that she's heard at the clinic or, you know, but like you said, that imagination part. So when you have those two conflicting like personalities, like it doesn't, yeah, like you said, there's, there's, yeah, there's no relief from that for them. Right. So it's like, I want to play, but I can't stand you, but let's play, but I can't stand you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that everybody's you know, coping as well as that they can. And, um, you know, it sounds like actually there's a lot of joy and a lot of fun that everybody's having. Um, Absolutely. All, all four of you and being, Absolutely. I, know being I know you're being very creative with um, things that you're doing. Oh my gosh, the pictures that Shelby sends me of the things that she bakes and she makes and just, uh, I'm just absolutely in awe by it. And so I know that you're doing a lot of things, um, you know, Telewise with grandmas and grandpas. Yeah. Well, that's for my sanity as much as theirs. So like, that's a couple (laughs) things. That's where, so Aaron and I are really encouraging our parents to try to like stay isolated and, and look after themselves. And I mean, as terrifying as it sounds, and I'm only going to say it once because I remind my mom of it every time she tells me she's like gone out to go do something is that if something happens, I can't get there. Like I will leave it at that because it all gets a bit too emotional. So I was That's like, very okay, real well, if, though. If, if I'm asking my parents, it's so real, but if I'm asking yeah. my parents to stay isolated, I need to provide them with something. And what I'm providing them with is more time with my kids. And like my mom was saying, this is the most they've ever seen my right. kids. Like, cause we go like intense, we go like two weeks there, they come here for two weeks, but this is the most like kind of regular contact my parents have ever been able to have because of the time zones is tricky. Yeah. So, but yeah, so we've got grandma reading on Monday and Friday. We've got grandma baking on Wednesdays, which is like a, like a kind of an hour to hour and a half long segment every day and, or every Wednesday. And we've got Grandpa PE three times a week, <laughs> which is brilliant. And like Finley can now jump rope and all kinds of stuff. So it's really good. And so we're, I'm using their strengths, mom and dad's strengths. That's right. Because the, the grandma baking thing, Erin and I should say, really works well for my mom because she was a foods teacher for like 
well, more years than I can count. Yeah. And that's not true. I can't count that high. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, anyways. And so I'm like, okay, so what do they really love to do that they're really good at that I can engage with the kids? Plus the kids need to do their reading, right? Well, Cooper gets read too, but Finley has to log his reading and it's a way that makes it less painful for him for me mm-hmm. to say, you have to do your 30 minutes of reading. Well, go read to grandma. And then he gets a chit chat as well, but mom's getting FaceTime and they're getting FaceTime. And so, and I'm getting to have a coffee in the background. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's just, you know, keeping it real. Yeah, absolutely. And so with what you're doing right now, if you could just maybe just talk to us a little bit, take us through the journey that you have gone through, leaving that corporate world to taking that risk and venturing out and starting your own business with your passion. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know it was my passion. So there's part of that is part of the journey. (laughs) So it started with me with, so here you get a year off maternity leave with your kids. So I hear that America. Do you hear that? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. And it's, I can't imagine how you do it because even though being American, I had both of my children here because I've lived Mm -hmm. here for nearly 15 years now. So basically, I took a voluntary redundancy, which is like they had to get rid of some headcount and stuff. So I took a voluntary redundancy when I went off on maternity leave with Cooper. So like literally I stopped work and then he was born a month early, like two days later after I stopped work. But that was great. So I got to spend that year and it was always kind of the trust that things would work out and that I would find another job, you know, shortly after that because we weren't and aren't in a position to just be a single family income. And it came about like one of my friends from Microsoft reached out. You got to come back. This role would be really good. It's a different part of the business, different product I had never worked on before. But obviously, it was a similar role. So it's like, you'd be such a good fit. Come back, come back. So I interviewed and I got the job and great. And it was not a good fit. So mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons that I... These are some like home truths that I had to do some soul searching. And really, I didn't do this searching till I left the role. But I had changed... And that's okay. My priorities had changed. My life goals had changed. And fundamentally, my idea of success needed to change. Mm -hmm. My definition of success needed to change, right? So basically, I go into this role. I'm finding it really hard going commuting into London every day and trying to get back in time because I'm a slave to the trains. So if if I get a call from the nursery saying my kids are sick, I actually can't get back for two hours because the next train isn't for 45 minutes and then it's a 45 minute train. And, and, you know, that was constant anxiety. And I think then there's, because I was having to leave work, I kept a certain time to get the kids from nursery. I was leaving work quote unquote early, which means you have to log on later in the evening to get the work done because I was at a relatively senior level. So there's a lot of work and a lot of responsibility when a company is going to pay you a lot of money. They expect that because at the end of the day, they're still an American company. So there's a lot of that value there. Yeah. And yeah, so there was just, you know, if looking back, I was able to diagnose it with, there was so much not enoughness I was not enough. I did not feel enough in any part of my life. I felt I was not as good of a mom as I could be. I was not the wife I wanted to be. I wasn't the manager I wanted to be. I wasn't the employee I wanted to be. It was a self-perpetuating cycle of not enoughness that I wasn't even enough of me to be me anymore. And it ended up in a collapse. I had a breakdown. Yeah. Like an emotional breakdown. I wasn't clinically depressed or anything like that. 
those some of the signs, I'd let it go on too long and some of the signs sort of presented like that. But it was to the place where if anybody said to me, and some of you might find this, how are you? Mm-hmm. Are you, how are you? Are you okay? I, uncontrollable crying, couldn't even breathe yeah. to answer them yeah. because that was too hard hitting of a question and it was too right. vulnerable, basically. So I, and you, as the mom, I mean, I know how you were raised as the strong female that we are. You yeah. Had to hold, yeah. You had to hold your also, shit. Also, quit. Quitting yeah. is not an option. Nice. Quitting is not an option. Not at all. And, and you had to hold yourself pushing. together. And I kept pushing and kept pushing. Yeah. Like, there were signs that this was happening like six months in. Right. But I kept pushing it and pushing it for like the other six months until I broke myself. But then I was like properly not enough, right? So forget about the feelings of not being enough. Like I actually wasn't present anywhere because I was... Mm. So if any of you have ever read the book, The Chimp Paradox, something actually happens when stress comes into play, chemical in your brain, the cortisol... Forgive me if I get some of the words wrong. Like I am not a doctor. Um, (laughs) The cortisol. uh, Basically, it shuts down stress, extreme stress like that, shuts down your immune system. And it also shuts down which a lot of you might be finding now feeling unwell and lockdown and all these other things because of all the anxiety we've got. But it shuts down your immune system and it shuts down your ability to make rational decisions and have rational thoughts, okay? So that's how you spiral and that's how you spiral out of control because you can't get out of it. And things that once would have been easy to tackle seem impossible. But anyway, so what happened is I first went off sick for a while. I took some time. And then between the company and myself, we decided the best decision for me, really me, I decided I had to go. Like it was time to leave that. And this is where I started my exploration, right? So I had started to feel better at that point. But that was really hard for me. Because like I said, I was always taught never to quit, never give up, keep trying. But I had to reframe that. Absolutely. So I wasn't quitting. No. I wasn't quitting myself. That's what I wasn't quitting. So I decided I have to quit this thing, Mm -hmm. which is a job in my life, Mm -hmm. so that I cannot quit on me. That's right. And not quit on the me I want to be. And now I have to decide what that is. Right. And how am I going to figure that out? And how am I going to sort of redefine what success is to me because I had spent my whole life like with this career. Like I went and I got my MBA and I'm climbing this ladder and I'm always taking the job that's the next right job. And all of a sudden it wasn't, I found myself in this job that just other than some of the things that I had built out within the job in terms of business process improvement, which I love to do because I'm a problem solver and all this other stuff. And some of the kind of people development pieces I was doing by volunteering to be part of an apprentice scheme and a mentor's circle and all this other stuff. I wasn't fulfilled. Like it was so not me, but it's Mm -hmm. the me I had become. And I just needed to catch up with that. Like I needed to catch up with who have I become? What's important to me? And, you know, that's how I started to kind of think about it was actually, you mentioned it in in your first podcast. Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. So I was listening to that audiobook on the way to this consulting job that I was doing because yeah. I was trying to just get some money coming in while I was figuring stuff out. And I just had that aha moment. And it was exactly, you mentioned it in your first podcast as well of, I'm the only one stopping myself from doing this. Why yeah. do I think, who am I to be a coach? Who am I to tell other people what to do? Well, you know what? I've lived some shit. And actually, I'm a good <laughs> fucking person to tell people what to do. But, okay, but hold on. Coaching isn't actually telling people what to do. You no, help you're, them find the answers, Absolutely, right? yeah. Those it, of us it, that have coaches or have they gone through that role, yeah, that's... Every, you're right. Everything um, a coach. 
Brian and I have a coach, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, some people have multiple coaches. They have a life coach. They have a career coach. They, you know, it's just... So I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to become a coach. And so then it was like finding out, okay, how, what certification method do I want to need? So you technically don't need a certification. Sure. I believe in certifications personally. And part of that is Aaron and, and I's parents are both teachers and they both have multiple degrees and we both have multiple degrees. And there's like a thing there, right? It's becoming less and less of a thing in the modern world. And I'm all for like, change with the times and, you know, like so proud of, we were talking about Cameron who's choosing to go an alternative route and she's just going to live her best life. And that's yeah. what it's about. Right? right. And it's like, gosh, she's got it figured out. And she's like 20. Damn, yeah. I didn't do that till I was nearly 40. Like, <laughs> but she's still boom. working on certifications. <laughs> yeah. You know? but, okay. Yeah. She's just yeah, not taking absolutely. that. But like you said, she's just not taking four years of why am I getting a degree I'm not going to use? Yeah. Well, for some people, like they absolutely need to do that. Taylor becoming a doctor. So Taylor's one of our nieces. Taylor's our niece. Yeah. She needs to do that. Like go Tay. Well, shit, please, please do that. Yeah. (laughs) Please go. Can you send the memo memo not to inject Clorox as well while you're out there, Dr. Taylor? (laughs) Sorry. Also, Sorry. Taylor, we can, whenever we can you get that, that to that point, can I call you at any time and ask you for prescriptions? <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. So, but basically I was like, ah, so I decided to become a Gallup certified strengths coach, right? So yes. I did my strengths coaching and certification through Gallup, yes. which especially in the States, a lot of you have heard of Clifton Strengths, fully known as Strength Finders. And that was because I was on a strengths-based team at one point in my career at Microsoft. And still to this day, day, like, first of all, it was the most successful team I've ever been on. Um, through Microsoft, through previous organizations and jobs. And to this day, the impact that had on us as a cohesive working group, we are still involved in each other's lives and keep in touch. And, you know, this is like, it's a powerful thing if it's done correctly, but they're all powerful things, by the way. It's not like the best tool in the world. No, but that's why you chose that one. Yeah. But if you have a tool and you use it properly... And follow it will it. work. It will work. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I chose this, that as my certification course. And yeah. So, and when I was talking earlier about my toolkit, like for me, then seeing my strengths again, so I chose to retake it. There's two trains of thoughts. It's kind of a point of contention. Like, are strengths the same forever or can they change? Well, I had some really big fundamental life changes from the time I had previously taken it when I was 29 to the time I took it again when I was 38. Look at that journey that you had just gone through. Oh, absolutely. Within yourself. Totally. Those results are going to be different. I mean, I'm so proud of you. Look at how much you grew in that short period of time and, and how painful it was. Yeah. But yet at the same Trauma time. Trauma is the best growth <laughs> accelerator. Yeah, like, isn't it though? But well, yeah. I, I'm just so proud of you and to be able to know that it wasn't quitting. It was changing paths. It was knowing when enough's enough. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like um, not continuing that cycle of insanity. Of jumping I'm not going to keep blooding my head against the brick wall. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get off and I'm going to change yeah. and I'm going to take care of me first. Yeah, Because if we absolutely. don't take care of ourselves first, how can we move forward? So funny you say <laughs> this. So I have, you know, I can talk about it now. So Erin was asking me kind of what some of the things I would want to talk about. And obviously she had the ideas of let's talk about your journey and let's do that. And But she was like, I kind of want, you know, 
what do you have tangible that you could give me? Because obviously, like, we're not going to have yeah. anybody take a strengths assessment. And, you know, you're not going to be able to, like, coach people yeah. through that. And I was like, that's cool. That's fine. So I have this thing that I created that I use with a lot of my clients. And I use it on myself. So I created it for myself. <laughs> and then I've sort of refined it. To awesome. It out there. Awesome. But it, it's called Boxes for Boundaries. So what I was talking about earlier with all of my not enoughness, right, that stemmed from this, I wasn't a good enough mom. I wasn't a good enough professional. I wasn't being a good friend. I wasn't being a good daughter. I wasn't being a good sister. So I had all these boxes in my life and I felt like I was failing in all the boxes. Yeah. But what happens if I tear down the walls of all the fucking boxes and I become a holistic version of myself, meaning an all-encompassing version of myself. I let it all in. I let the humor and the empathy and the vulnerability of being a mother come into the meetings with me and into the boardroom with me. And if I let focus and the unbiased opinions, meaning the rational thought when you're in a boardroom or in a meeting like that, come into my parenting. So it's not so emotive, you know what I mean? So I'm able to rationally decipher between a conversation and leave things at the door and all that kind of stuff. So what if I do that? What if I tear down all these boxes and I just become this one present version of myself and I show up everywhere like that? I love that. Right? But... I've got to set some boundaries, right? So that stuff doesn't get too overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. that work doesn't take over home. So that home doesn't overtake work. So that my own goals don't overtake other goals in my family. Like all of these other things. So I got rid of my boxes and I traded them in for boundaries. Mm -hmm. Okay? So with the boundaries piece, and this is the real tangible piece, there's kind of three things that you do. So... It's about prioritization. So first you set your priorities. And I, I'm going to ask you to be really honest with yourself. Nobody has to look at your priorities. You do need to write them down. So you need to identify these uh-huh. because at the end of the day, the holistic view of yourself, you are your biggest USP, your unique selling proposition. Or if, if that doesn't work for you because it's too businessy, you're your biggest superpower. Just you being you, but you have to understand what that is and you have to understand what those boundaries are, right? So with the boundaries piece and setting those, you have to identify your priorities. And this is where you don't have to show them to anybody, but do not dare make your priorities what you think they should be. My number one priority is, and I'm going to steal it from Gabby because she says it to me, (laughs) but it feels good to feel good. My number one priority every single day is to feel good. For me, Shelby, the individual, to feel good. Because if I can do that, all my other priorities get a massive like help on their way to being achieved, right? But that is my number one priority. It is because, and the reason why my husband and my children and my family and other things come after that is because if I don't feel good, mm-hmm. those other things don't happen, yeah. And some mornings, especially as a mom, like, oh my God, I open. Can we go downstairs and watch TV? I'm like, oh my God, what time is it? <laughs> like, yeah. But I need to make sure I feel good first. Like I can't just go straight into mommy mode or straight into like you do, but I need to make sure I feel good in doing the things. And, and what makes me feel good is I go downstairs in my PJs and I have a cup of coffee in my PJs, why the kids are doing that. And I'm slowly getting their breakfast sorted. This is in our new normal, not in the school. Like, let's all rush around and be mentalists and try to get our uniforms <laughs> on and stuff like that. 
but because, and where my husband prefers to get dressed before he comes downstairs, but Mm -hmm. like, that's us doing us, right? Like it's you do what feels good. It feels good to feel good. Number one priority. So be honest with yourself with your priorities, set your priorities. Okay. So you have those off to the side. you got those written down. You don't have to share this to anybody again because nobody gets to shame you or make you feel bad for your priorities being a certain way. If you set them because you think they should be set that way, this is not going to work for you in the same way that it could, right? Like I tell all my clients, you get out what you put in. So if you're honest with yourself and you open yourself up to that vulnerability, go on Brene, shout it out right. from that vulnerability, then it'll work for you. Okay, so the next thing we have to do is... Next to those priorities, I need you to make a little list or a couple bullets or a couple points on what you have to do to make those things happen. To achieve feeling good, what do I have to do? Okay. Okay. If travel, traveling is one of my priorities in my life or time off, right? Okay. What do I have to do to make that happen? Mm -hmm. Okay. Making sure I have dinner with my family every night. What do I have to do to make that happen? I have to make sure that I do not check my work email and my laptop and all that kind of stuff like after a certain time or, you know, whatever it is for you, everybody's situation and circumstances are unique. Right. So you have to define a few things or one or two things, whatever. You have to define what you have to do to make those priorities be achievable. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then here is the hardest one. This is the third and final step. You have to do those things. What? I know. <laughs> Mind freaking blown. <laughs> no, you have to do. You have to do those things. Like we have. We to can't just write it down. Accountable. <laughs> no, writing it down does help because it's visual and it's real, and that shit's in front of you, and it's not floating around in your head. And you have to look at it. You That's can't right. push it down. That's right. So writing it down is good, but you have to do it. That's you right. have to do it. Yeah. So we have to do those things and we have to stick to it. Yes. And I always say, check in on this twice a day for the first two weeks. So every morning when you get up, you look at it and every night before you go to sleep, you look at it. Mm -hmm. And until those patterns and those things that you're doing, because this is the thing, if you do those things, the priorities will naturally happen. Yes. And all this time, you're showing up as the whole you in these situations. You're not, so I'm calling them boxes. Some people call them hats, right? You're right. not like taking off one hat and putting on the other hat. Right. And you know what? You're going to find that you're a better professional. You're a better teacher. You're a better parent. You're a better spouse to your partner. You're if a better you friend. can, all of it. Yeah. And here's the thing, like you're a better you. Like, the it feels good to feel good thing for me is self-perpetuating because when I'm better me and I show up as me holistically, yes. like I feel good. That's right. So a lot of the strength stuff that I do and a lot of the stuff that I coach with the strengths, it's about being in your flow because strengths are actually about like identifying and giving you a language of what you're naturally and inherently good at. So like the shit you don't have to try for. It's mm-hmm. not about shoving a round peg in a square hole. It's about mm-hmm. throwing away that whole system that we were all educated in, which is, well, you got this wrong and you got this wrong and you got this wrong. And you could really improve here. And Shelby could talk less in class and, you know, like <laughs> all of these things. But you know what? What? What if we were like, wow, Shelby really likes to talk in class. Like maybe we should have her do some like presenting of some different things or some topics, you know, and I going into the education system is a bit too hard because there's a lot of parameters and a lot of like 
years of standardized testing and all these other things. And that's a whole other issue. But my point is more from a young age, we are ingrained to think that way about ourselves. How can I be better? How can I be better? What can I do better? What can I improve about myself? And I think especially being American, right? Like we're constantly striving for improvement, but actually what if, instead of looking at what we can be better in, what if we looked at what we're already shit hot at or naturally good at? Yeah. And how can we be greater through that? Mm -hmm. And that's all we ever look at. And we accept the fact and we are cool with the fact that not everybody can do everything. Not everybody can be great at everything, but I can be really great at what I'm already good at. And because it's your strengths and it's the things you're naturally inherently good at, it's like the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. You're basically like living in your flow, right? You're living Living in your your best life. Yeah. And this is it. It becomes so easy to live your best life if you're living in your flow because you're never fighting against the path of least resistance. You're never trying to like squeeze the round peg in the square hole. And you're trying to you know, you build partnerships with mm-hmm. people who have complementary strengths or you find a way to still achieve your goals and things you want to do through your strengths. Or sometimes people that I've worked with decide, wow, okay, I never saw my value in that way because yeah. I didn't have the language. That right? clarity, and, that clarity about themselves. This is it. And because they're things that are so inherently you, you're mm-hmm. like, I never even thought of that as a strength. That was just me. I couldn't even put words to that before. But now that I can explain it, I understand my value more, but I can also be more intentional with it and use it as a tool. That's right. And it allows that holistic version of yourself to really exist because you understand yourself in a whole new way. Yeah, that's exciting. That's so exciting. Exciting. <laughs> exciting to think of yourself that way. Like you said, especially in America, how we're always trying to improve, improve, improve. Why don't we just take what we have, those strengths hammer that we down. have. And absolutely. yeah, <laughs> absolutely hammer down. Yeah. Celebrate that. Do it. And the rest will come. It allows so many other things to happen. Like it allows that guilt to go away. It allows that not enoughness to go away. And as Um, females, wouldn't you say that we put so much guilt on ourselves, uh, so much pressure on ourselves? Yeah. I mean, just not not necessarily if you're a female. Yeah. If you're a female, this is like how we're wired. It's all about it all. Yeah. And it's supposed to have it all. And and take take care of everybody else. Before you take care of yourself. That's why I love that your number one priority was making sure that you feel good. Yeah. Because I think we can all agree when we feel good, we feel confident. We feel Mm. loved. Mm. We can give love. Our energy is so much better. Yep. All of it. You walk in a room and people notice that presence about you. Oh, yeah. When you feel good. Yes. People are magnetized towards people that feel good. Who do you spend your time with? Who do you call? People that make you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you want to be around? Why would I want to call Debbie Downer? I don't want to call her. (laughs) I unfriended that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) So not only does it allow the guilt to slide away, but the whole thing about being kinder to ourselves just comes naturally. Like this is the thing. Like all of that just happens. Yeah. Because we allow ourselves to be all of ourselves. And then... Like, it's not selfish to prioritize yourself because you're better in everything you show up to do. Yes, absolutely. Brilliant. Shelby, thank you.
Yes. Thank you so much. This was so valuable. And Good. thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope that, I mean, I was jotting down notes. So, you know, as we were talking, and so some of you may even need to go back and re-listen to this and take apart some of those different components that she spoke about, because it is something that I think can, can take us to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I'm truly grateful for you sharing this strategy with us and for sharing your story. It's very difficult sometimes, especially when we go through pain, to be vulnerable like that. You know, it's easy for us to talk because we're sisters, but knowing that, you know, hundreds of people are going to be listening to this. Mm -hmm. um, The thing is that I know that there are so many people that have gone through something similar. Yeah. Gone through that pain. And for you yeah. to be able to open up and share that and to see that sunshine and that greatness on the other side, like I said, so valuable, so rewarding. And these strategies were brilliant. Um, Good. Yes, absolutely. And so, Shelby, would you actually let people know possibly how they could even get in touch with you? Because Shelby is, like she said, she is a coach. She works with... I'm available, peeps. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She works with individuals. She works with couples. She works with business teams. I mean, she has a variety of different avenues that she uses with your coaching. So do you mind kind of explaining that to us and directing us? Yeah. Totally. So you can email me directly at Shelby at HarringtonCoaching.com. So um, Shelby is spelled S-H-E-L-B-Y. I'll put a link up there on my website so that people can get to you a little easier. Yeah. So that's my email. I also have my website is HarringtonCoaching.com. So www.harringtoncoaching.com. It talks a little bit about the things I do. You can read a little bit more about me. Obviously, it doesn't go... The vulnerability level of my story doesn't go in there. It gives you more of my professional credentials, my 20 years of experience in a variety of sectors and my MBA and my MA and my coaching certification. And yep, I did just drop all of that on you. (laughs) But you know what? I worked really hard for that. That's and right. And feel guilty about no, it. Absolutely. That's not. pride, baby. Yeah. And, but I think I hope that you've heard that I have a lot of life experience and things to share as well that just help me get perspective when I'm hearing your story as, a, as somebody that I coach. But I do a lot of leadership coaching, a lot of individual coaching, not just career, or it usually starts with career and then it turns into life coaching a little bit. But because we really just start in the strengths and And I really feel that that's something that we play across our whole life. And because, as I said, my sort of ethos is this holistic version of yourself that even when people come to me with career coaching, we get in there, right? And then inevitably, I end up doing, you know, coaching their other half so that they can then have some, we do some couples coaching. I do business partner coaching. I do teams. Like it all starts with strengths. And that's the foundation of my coaching because it's a common language that we can use to start this journey and this conversation of your growth or your development or you trying to achieve what you're trying to achieve. But yeah, other than that, it's all pretty bespoke. Like I build out the exercises and the conversation based off of you and your needs. And you know, that's what coaching is all about. It's about helping me help you be the best you, but that's it. It's help you be the best you. I'm not going to do it for you. You got to put the work in. 
Absolutely. But I would love, yes. And even though I'm in the UK, I'm quite happy to work with clients in the States. I'm quite happy to work with clients even in Australia. Like English speaking is my only kind of prerequisite. And that's because I don't do Spanish justice and I can't speak any other languages, unfortunately. (laughs) But if you're English speaking, I am. Yeah. (laughs) Sure do. No, sorry. They don't speak like that. I apologize. (laughs) And yeah, I'm really deeply sorry for that. But yes, if you would like to get in touch, I would love to go on this journey with you. You can even, I offer free 15 minute consultations. So just email me at shelbyharringtoncoaching.com and we can set up a time to talk if you're interested. And again, I will put all of those links under episode three on my website. So you can hit up the my website as well, which is aaroninselman.com. And again, those are also listed. That is also listed as a link in the show notes. Or you can DM me on Instagram or message me on Facebook and I can get you in mm. contact with Shelby as well. So you can tag me on Instagram, Erin. Perfect. Fact, they can see my account there as well. Okay. I'm just, I think I'm at Harrington Coaching. Okay. Yeah, we'll check that out. We'll get that all squared away. So again, lovely sister, thank you so, so much for joining us. And I know that we will have Shelby on again because she has just some amazing tips and this was just the tip of it. So you see what you a- did there, guys. The tip <laughs> of it, the tips. <laughs> <laughs> so have a beautiful day, Shelby. And thank you. Thank you, thank you for having for, me. For joining us today. Much love yes. to you all. God bless. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Six Pack. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today. Please share this episode with a friend. And if you haven't already, click subscribe. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Have a beautiful week. And tell the important people in your life just how much you care about them. Much love and blessings to you all.